We're back! Hi everybody, it's Eric. Not only are we back from our short hiatus because of the birth of my daughter, Mom and Baby are doing great by the way, but I'm also extremely excited that we are bringing back characters for the first time. The American art students in Paris from Season 1 are back in action, and Season 5 continues their story right about where we left off. I usually start these intros by saying, if you're new here, don't worry about going back and just jump right in. But this time I really do encourage you, if you haven't listened to Season 1, to stop right now and go back. It's only seven episodes, and I promise it'll make your listening experience much better. When you last heard these characters, they were dealing with a fellow classmate who seemed to have gone mad, and an organist at Notre Dame Cathedral who was replacing the stonework of the main gate with the bone of a gargoyle creature, not to mention their own individual strange occurrences that seemed somehow connected to it all. Reprising their roles from Season 1 are players you're all familiar with. Playing writer and railroad heir Monty Hogg is Tommy Whitty. Playing portrait painter, photographer, and former lover of all things spooky Francis Anderson is Emily Townsend. And appearing in his third season of Nature of My Game podcast and playing architect and devoted rationalist Donald Braith is Mikey Kernick. As with Season 1, this season we're playing the Yellow King RPG written by Robin D. Laws and published by Pelgrane Press. This season's story is based on the introductory scenario from the Paris setting book called Ghost of the Garnier, also written by Robin D. Laws. I also want to give a special shout out to Pelgrane Press, who have agreed to provide a 10% discount for any Nature of My Game listeners who want to try out the Yellow King RPG. It's a really great game and one I would even recommend to new GMs, so if you're at all interested, you should definitely give it a shot. You can use the code POD POUND NOMG POD when you purchase the Yellow King RPG at PelgranePress.com to receive the discount. I'll include the promo code in the show notes of this episode as well. As always, I want to give another shout out to Jean-Luc Bouchard, who composed and produced our intro music, and to my wife, Kelsey Manning, for all her work on our podcast cover art, design, and social media. For those who would like to learn more about the Nature of My Game podcast, you can find us at NOMG Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, or at NOMGpodcast.com. And if you want to support us even more, you can subscribe to our Patreon, where you'll receive audio compilations of the fiction that starts every episode of the podcast, and will soon be getting access to some exclusive actual play content. Okay, that was a lot. And so, with no more ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy the first episode of Season 5, The Grand Illusion. Previously on the Nature of My Game podcast. Is that Leaf? Over there in the crowd. Where? Oh my god, I I think you're correct. Calvin Leaf? Calvin Leaf. Yes. I I, I swear that's him. And, and the dancers, they're... They're all dancing, all in their masks. Dancing in masks under the black stars in a white sky. Next to the doors, the doors of the Last Judgment! Something rotten, uh, though not in the state of Denmark, I suppose. With all due respect, Father, I don't give a damn about the plan. And you both look over and you see Calvin Leith rising up out of the papers as as if he was just lying underneath them waiting been reading about terrible things <laughs> since since forever it's, it, it doesn't do it justice and i will myself to have the strength to stop Cabo, but i don't think that i can do it well father i believe that i can i cannot be party to to any of this madness that is going on here this man needs to be taken care of that's what i'm going to do and you're sure that you're the person that should do that i don't think there's anybody else This will not be the first cursed organ that I have seen today, which tells you something about what is happening. You drop the knife and look up. 
the yellow haze has completely filled the cathedral, and now all that remains is yellow and the sound of distorted screens. Don, Francis, this is my handwriting. This is my handwriting on this paper, and I don't know how it got there. I think Donald wants to cut his arm off, so he's not thinking clearly. Like, it's not a good idea. So take the gun out of the hand and put it right up to, um, to the child and just pull the trigger. I mean, I, I think I would have been continuing the backwards motion and just trying to, like, flee, but I don't think I can stop the kill train as it chugga-chugga-chugs out of the station. I'll drop the gun next to her and say, we helped you, brother, and I'll walk out. I think if one person goes to his home, that's one person against a demonic gargoyle crystal creature. That person's not coming back out. None of us are getting back out of this. And it jumps and leaps at Francis and... Just in time, Donald levels the gun and pulls the trigger and makes this creature's head explode. You know what I saw. I can't allow that to happen again. So I'm asking you, how do you hold a paintbrush? Paris, June 10th, 1895. Jean-Paul Gavard loved his job. Growing up in a rural part of France without much opportunity for education, he had had his life changed the first time he stepped foot inside the Palais Garnier. It had been on a family trip to Paris, and everything, from the statue work on the building's facade, to the fine Parisian spectators, to the mind-blowing performance on stage, was like nothing Jean-Paul had ever even dreamed of experiencing. And now, he had the entire building to himself. He had accepted a job as the security guard for the Palais Garnier, and had been more than happy to take the overnight shift. When he wasn't on duty, he was even allowed to watch performances occasionally. And when he was, it was just him, his oil lamp, and the greatest place on earth. Jean-Paul was strolling through the balcony, humming one of his favorite opera pieces to himself, when he thought he caught a glimpse of movement coming from one of the private boxes. He had been working at the Palais Garnier for more than a year at that point, and had only ever worked the overnight shift, and he had never, not once seen anyone else in the building. He was sure that he was mistaken, that he had been distracted and was just seeing things, but he still had hours to go on his shift and nothing much better to do, so he started making his way toward the box. And that's when he heard the voices. Jean-Paul tried to be as quiet as he could as he approached the rear of the box, moving stealthily toward the heavy maroon curtain that separated it from the connecting hallway. There was no denying it now. Two people, a man and a woman, were definitely sitting in the box, having a conversation as though nothing was amiss. We cannot wait any longer, one of the voices, the woman's, said. It must be the next production, or I will begin to lose patience with you. Assure me that I should continue to trust you, and that I should not just handle things myself. Jean-Paul held his breath, paralyzed about what to do. He had a responsibility to ensure the safety of the opera house, and trespassers couldn't be allowed to remain. But something about the woman's words made him feel as though whatever they were discussing, it was more than he could handle himself. Be patient, my lady, the other voice responded. I know just the way, and I believe I know the perfect person to play the leading role as well. Jean-Paul ventured closer, silently pulling apart the maroon curtain to get a glimpse inside. As he did, the woman laughed mirthlessly. You believe you have someone who can capture my beauty and wisdom on stage, do you? Well, no matter. As long as the writer's words can soon be heard by all of Paris. And then, at the exact same moment... Both of them stopped talking and turned to look directly at Jean-Paul, and he gazed with horror upon a woman with long raven hair and a man wearing a mask. 
came up with some ideas on how to kick off this season. It's it's an important one. It's it's the it's an exciting one. It's the first time that we're bringing a, a group of characters back uh, onto a season of Nature of My Game. But of course, because I'm me, I came up with ideas and I couldn't choose one, nor could I commit to doing <laughs> any of them. But I want to tell all of you about them, and I want to hear what you think of them. Okay. I'm into it. All right. So the first one was, as Eminem once asked, guess who's back, back again. <laughs> like that. Great start, I know. Mm-hmm. Solid. Strong, strong out of the gate. The second one was, as Michael Jordan said when he came out of retirement via fax for the first time, we're back. I like that. <laughs> I like that it has qualifiers. Mm-hmm. That you have to... <laughs> yeah, you need a few qualifiers to really as make it As long as you have prepositional phrases, you have a good, you have a snappy intro. That's what I say. <laughs> the more clauses, the better. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Independent, dependent, doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> and then the third one was, in the immortal words of the Backstreet Boys, oh my God, we're back again. Oh, come that, on. That, I think, is my winner. favorite. I think that's, that's the winner. <laughs> that's, I think that that tonally is the most uh, aligned with what we're going to be doing. So I, I like that. Will, now, will you All name right. the season Backstreet's Back? Because you have been naming it after song. Yeah, you've got it's this possible, kind of music possible. theme going on. <laughs> uh, welcome back. We are, we are back here with um, the crew from season one. Uh, back in 1895 Paris, back with our American art students in Paris and back playing the Yellow King RPG. How's everybody feeling? How, how are we doing today? We ready to get going? I'm doing good. I, I, I've been um, I'm becoming a veteran of um, the nature <laughs> of my game. That's true. Podcast, which is exciting. Um, and now I'm glad that, you know, I think you picked the right beginning there, the right you know, I assume you let it the other two out. You just pretend like you did the Backstreet Boys yeah. one. You've chosen the best one, yeah. I am curious to know who everyone's favorite Backstreet Boy is. I like the I like the one who was much older than the rest of them that they never <laughs> highlighted. He was just like they needed him, and then they would be like, it's Brian and AJ and, and Casey and DJ and all of them. And then there's Kevin, who's and like 48 guy. years old. I love that guy. He looked so much old. Like, it didn't look like he was young like them. He looked markedly older than like them. Like he was their manager who had stepped into yeah. a role. Yeah, to it do was it. like a Zucker yeah. Brothers movie where they're just like, <laughs> is, wouldn't it be funny if the fifth guy was like a middle-aged man? <laughs> <laughs> That's live music, baby. Were you all Backstreet Boys or in sync no, people. My I sister was, was an in sync person. Yeah, you were neither. Was, yeah, Jess was, was a big in sync. I was desperately uncool. I didn't listen to anything that was actually popular. Like my first CD was the premiere collection of Andrew Lloyd Webber. Like that oh, was. Wow. I was oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Meanwhile, I was one of those cool guys who was like, oh, I don't like in sync or Backstreet Boys, but this MTV celebrity death match between the two <laughs> yeah. of them. Yeah. Yeah, that I'm, I'm into. there for that. Yeah, Tommy was Absolutely. cool. I got it. <laughs> I like I liked when Eminem would make would say mean things about them in his rap song. <laughs> <laughs> Got him. Got him. People are enjoying something. <laughs> Not anymore. Yeah. Not when I'm done with them. No, I, I I do feel like I missed out on this huge cultural thing. Yeah, that, like, I was a big I O-Town just... guy. That was my uh, O-Town. Oh, you were. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. They I wanted it at all or nothing at all. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I was a big 98 Degrees fan. 98 Degrees, oh, yes. Nick Lachey. Yeah. That's they the other one. Is, is 98 <laughs> Degrees God must have spent a little more time on you, or is that sync? I think that's sync. I think no, that's yeah, 98 that, Degrees oh, has mm. like one slow dance 
like classic. I'm trying to remember yes, what it is. Yes, but I don't remember what it is. <laughs> it's not I Swear. That's all for one. That's older. <laughs> oh, no. Now, hold on. You can edit this part out. I looked up God Must Have Spent a Little More Time On You, which is in sync, and the hey. thumbnail for it is the most 90s-looking fucking yes. thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Into it. All right, 98 Degrees Song. Uh, it's not Give Me Just One Night, Una Notre. <laughs> No, no <laughs> when you will be here. Oh, it's the hardest thing I ever have. There to it is. Do. Oh, is that them? <laughs> yeah, look that's you them. in the eyes until you want love you. Well, which is a weird one that they were playing for slow dances. But yeah, no, it's yeah. a breakup song for yeah. sure. <laughs> they could have honestly played like a sad, slow version of like the the like the German national anthem. And because <laughs> it was a high schooler, it's like, well, I, I'm going to dance with a girl. I don't care. Well, yeah, because you're not listening to the lyrics at that point. No, you are, no, you are just you are in full be. on panic mode. Yeah, you're just like, um, <laughs> how like how natural is it to keep my arms completely straight mm -hmm. and keep this person away from <laughs> Gotta me? Gotta leave that room for the Holy Spirit. That's right. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, like I'm feeling pretty good about the season. You know, I I haven't done the the Monty voice in like a year, so we'll <laughs> oh, see how that boy. goes. Little rusty <laughs> other than other than accidentally in the prior season I was on. Ha, Monty. Ha. Well, yeah, it's it's a it's oh. just a, it's just a you just slipped in and out a little bit of the of yeah, the yeah accent. yeah it was just easier to to go into that. <laughs> well, Tommy and I are going to do enough. a true West thing. We're going to switch roles, but we're not going to tell Eric. We're just right. going to one day I'll just come I in and it. be like. Eric will be like, so Monty, and I'll be like, yes, I'm interested. <laughs> What's going on over there? That is so much more on the Foghorn Leghorn side. Yeah, that, really, yeah. that, that has really incredible. fallen fully into it. Foghorn Leghorn. If you have trouble with your Monty Hog voice, I'll, I'll, say, I'll say boy. <laughs> I remember. No, not Donald. I say Donald. <laughs> or Daniel, of course. It could also be Daniel. Yeah, Daniel. Mm -hmm. Donald's horse. <laughs> Oh man, I am I am feeling like a little goblin who is clutching Francis to me and like hissing if anything comes near her. So that's a great place to start. Oh no! <laughs> oh yes, I, Don't like, you dare. like we talked like we talked about in season one. I people have a tendency to get very attached to their role playing mm -hmm. game characters, and I think the year has given. <laughs> It maybe yeah, maybe has given Emily too much attachment to Francis, so we'll see how that goes. We'll have to see. I'm going the other way. I don't like Donald anymore. <laughs> You're ready to send him into whatever could, whatever could come yeah, up. Yeah, I'm just going to we'll be like, and then Donald him. walks very close to a ledge, and then Donald <laughs> swings a gun around near his head. All right, so as we get started, before we kind of set the opening scene... We're we're gonna start in August of 1895, uh, which is gonna be about which is about six months after the the events of season one, the the fateful happenings of the events of the one night in season one. That was one night. Yeah, that was all one night. It's <laughs> <laughs> this is a really really bad night. A really really bad night. So I'm wondering, kind of, you know, you don't have to tell me everything that your characters have done over the course of the six months, but what has what has happened? For for Francis and for Monty and for Donald over the past six months, Donald, I think um, probably you know I think that that as space has come between him and that night, you know he's tried to kind of uh, move away from it and stop thinking about it and stop considering the 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 less uh, explicable aspects and still get back on his trying to figure out his whole sister thing. I think we decided that their summer recess would have happened so i would imagine he was back in america 
maybe didn't see his family. Maybe just was kind of traveling around and, and looking for clues for his about his sister's location. But I would imagine he's, you know, doing his best to kind of move on from that night and move forward and, and maintain as best he can, despite the fact that obviously you're going to be affected by all of those things happening over the course of seven hours. <laughs> uh, I, mean, I think... No, I was going to say, like, we're linked. Like, I know that we yeah. definitely know that we spent some extra time together. Yeah, we, we did. I think Monty took as many kind of painting lessons and things from Francis as he as he could. Um, but towards the end of this time, he does find himself falling back into writing some for, for reasons that will remain <laughs> close to the fest for now. <laughs> um, but that he has, um, as much as he swore he would not write again, that is still his bread and butter. That's still the thing he was there for. It's still the thing that he knew. In theory, it's still the thing he's studying while he's there. So almost as much out of necessity as anything else. He has gone back to writing, although he is sort of um, hesitant to do it. Uh, he, he does find himself still doing it some. Sure. No, that makes a lot of sense. I was actually thinking about this last night and one of the last things I remember we all talked about was like what we what we wanted for our characters prior yeah. to that that final episode and where we would like them to be. And I remember I, I talked a lot at that point about how I'm pretty sure Frances is not going to be having fun reading her spooky novels anymore. Um, but I do think genuinely hanging out with Monty and like seeing him struggle through basic still life painting um, would be kind of delightful for her. Yes, um, I'm sure. And would be like the thing that like, okay, everything is terrible, but like this, this is kind of fun, right? But no, I, I think I also realized last night, I don't, I, I don't think these three are really talking about what happened um, that night. So I think Francis has begun journaling. <laughs> oh boy. So they're, <laughs> and, they're, like, they're, they're, they're merging. Notebooks galore. Yeah. <laughs> she, and like, they're, they're not for anybody but her, but I think she's been like writing and writing and writing a lot about what happened because she can't like talk about that elsewhere. Very cool. Very cool. All right. So we are going to dive right back in. I'm, I'm sorry to kind of shatter this six months of not talking about this because as you can imagine, uh, things are going to, uh, things are going to bubble back up to the surface. So we're starting in, uh, on a, on an August day in Paris, 1895. It's been about six months and it's a bright, sunny afternoon. I think Monty and Donald and Francis, even if they you know, even if, if uh, Donald had gone home for a while, he's back now, and they're just really enjoying enjoying their day strolling through the streets of Paris. And the three of you are strolling around Paris, not really heading anywhere in particular, when you come around a corner and see something that makes your breath catch. A large poster has been plastered to the side of a building, advertising an upcoming theatrical performance. The poster depicts a young woman with long, raven hair, clad in tattered yellow silk, wearing a forlorn and yet somehow menacing expression. Behind her, in the background, you see an ominous palace below a white sky dotted with black stars. I think Calvin Lee's voice is probably subconsciously echoing in each of your heads, along with an image of the strange landscape painted on the wall of Baptiste Cabot's apartment. The poster is blazoned with the title of the production, Casilda. Beneath the title is a single name, Cuvier, which you guess might be the name of the composer. The only other text on the poster is written along the bottom. It says Bientôt, which means coming soon, and has the name of the theater, Pelé Garnier. But Donald, for you specifically, 
most of this doesn't register to you. Because the moment you turned the corner and saw the poster, you could have sworn that the woman depicted on it was the last person you expected to see painted on a poster on the wall of a Parisian building. Your sister, Cecilia. As you look closer, you now see that the woman is not Cecilia. But some of her features do look remarkably like your sister, as if the artist was painting her based on a description rather than actually seeing her. I would probably be too shocked to say anything. I would just be kind of processing it silently, staring. I imagine we all are yeah. staring. Um, <laughs> after a moment, I just... Fra Francis Dom, um, I... Just, just to verify that I'm not crazy, mm -hmm. uh, we're we're all seeing the same thing here, right? Black mm -hmm. stars, white sky. Mm. Are you familiar with this with this art? The the, the 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 woman. Are you familiar with the woman in the in the painting? Either of you? I've seen a lot of models in in Paris, and I don't recognize her. I don't know who they painted. Yeah, I don't believe so. Are you familiar with her, Don? No, I I, I just she uh, looks. I feel I've seen, I've seen her before, so I don't, mm. you know, these posters are everywhere. They, they sort of nonsense stuff they advertise, so I just, I, I, don't, sure. I don't know. It just looks familiar. I mean, I think this looks familiar to all of us. I don't, I don't think this is nonsense. Would any of us recognize the composer's name? Uh, yes. Yes, I don't actually. know which. <laughs> I, was say, I don't know which like which investigative skill would apply there, but <laughs> yeah. So Donald, actually, with your with your um, intimate knowledge of uh, the culture scene around Paris, mm -hmm. the name Cuvier does sound familiar to you. Um, you know an up and coming librettist. For those, uh, Emily, is that how you say that word? I should have checked beforehand. Yeah. Librettist. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Gotta roll the R. Librettist. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know an up-and-coming librettist, Marcel Brisson, who you think may have mentioned something about a composer with that name to you at some point? I, I, I've, I've heard that the composer's name before. This librettist has mentioned it. I just, I don't, uh, what is, because I think Donald, now having heard what others were saying, probably looked at the rest of the picture and was like, oh, there's also white sky and black stars. Like, there's a lot of other issues here beyond just that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Like, even if that just is that, oh, that, oh, it accidentally looks like my sister. There's all these other things. So I think he's just kind of like trying to figure it out. When I think, Donald, you're probably like, am I seeing things? Like, is she so on my mind that like anyone yeah. who yeah. has the same like skin tone and color hair, I like automatically think is my sister? Because it doesn't look exactly like her, but like it was immediately very clear in your head. Like the first thing that you thought is that is that is a picture of her. Yeah. Uh, Don, outside of this sort of meta for a moment, remind me, do we know that you were, like, do we know anything about the sister background or, or that you were in America, like, kind of looking for her? You know, I had a sister, you know, I kind of, uh, you know, I came back and I don't mm -hmm. talk about her anymore, but I never said okay. to you, like, she disappeared. Okay. Okay. All right. And I imagine, like, we know that you went over there. Yeah, and I just didn't if talk. We know you went why. to America, but I, don't, mm -hmm. I suspect we don't know what you were no, doing. I feel like Donald doesn't talk about what happens when he's not, yeah. So just to establish, gentlemen, we all see this, right? This is, this is... The black mm -hmm. stars, the white sky. Yellow. Yellow. Oh, dear. Does anyone know where we could find Calvin Lath? Uh, <laughs> I think we had him arrested. I don't know if he would necessarily want visitors from us. You would all know 
Calvin has Calvin has re disappeared. Oh, um, Calvin! You heard rumors that there was a fire in the building that he that you had found him in in Five Rue Caron. Calvin Calvin doesn't seem to be around anymore. <laughs> Ouch. R.I.P. <laughs> R.I.P. Calvin Lee. If I may make a recommendation, I Please. say we continue to walk down this path past this poster uh, and give it no further mind because any time that we've explored further these sorts of flights of fancy or phantasmagoria, I, 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 I just, why don't we just keep walking? Don, are you trying to tell me that you, with your keen logical mind, has no interest in finding out what exactly is going on here? Oh, Montgomery, I, I know that <laughs> the call of, of, of such an adventure speaks to the writer's spirit, but I... <laughs> I'm as... <laughs> I, I have to admit I'm as much interested in the fact that they have apparently abandoned their play and decided to transpose it over into some other... Slightly different uh, artistic format, um, as much as anything, because, um, well... I, for one, prefer plays to operas. I, I could live without all of the singing. Francis, do you still have the, um... Do you still have any of those pieces of paper that we took from Mr. Leith's apartment? Or did those get thrown away? I burned them. I, hmm. I used them that night. That was the kindling for the fire. <sighs> Why do I get the feeling it doesn't matter that they'll crop up again if... Let's be honest. We... we knew this wasn't over. We knew we didn't... We're three art students in Paris. We didn't save the day. And I don't think we get a chance to, to walk past it. I mean, there's a there's a wasp in the room. And I I can't sit while it's buzzing in a corner. I need it... I need it to do something. Well, Francis, I understand your, your concern and your trepidation and... Uh... I can't say I share your heart and goodwill towards <laughs> the situation. Did we save the day? No. But uh, I have no interest in doing so. And, and while I see what you're saying, that we can't just walk away, I I would like to counter that by, and he turns and just starts to kind of do, 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 just walk. <laughs> like, I can walk away if I want to walk away. Obviously, he's <laughs> going to turn around, but just walks past it. See? Nothing Simple as that. I'm going to rip the poster down from the wall, and I'm going to call after him and hold it up and just say, Don, do you really think that this is not going to continue to haunt you, possibly for the rest of your life, that it won't continue to follow you? Yeah, that probably would like slump his shoulders a bit, and he turns and is like, what difference will it make if I go out looking for it, if it's looking for me already? It'll find me. I don't understand why we would subject ourselves once again to the 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 horrors that we all saw, the physical suffering, the mental suffering that we all withstood. Now, luckily, we're all still here standing today, still in one piece. And yet, we're going to walk right back into the maw of this terrible, horrible thing. I can't tell you logically that that's a good idea, nor can I even see where well, creatively and fantasily that's a good idea. But if I'm outvoted two to three, and you two would like to tread this well-worn path once again, well, who am I to stop you? I hate to make a theatrical illusion, considering the circumstances, but I... Damn it, Donald. The readiness is all. If it be not now, yet it will come. 
everything everything we can do matters in how we do it, and I'm not going to sit in the room and let the wasp sting me. I'm going to grab a damn swatter. Would we rather encounter this on our own terms or on its own terms? I know what I prefer. And I will actually, I, I will turn to Francis and say, shall we go to the theater mentioned? Or try to find this, um, the uh, librettist. I feel the theater is... The theater has the potential of more people who might know more than just one man. But this mm. specific librettist, I do know of him, and I can bring us to him if need be, because we can speak on the the nature of this this creation that he is now involved in, and now we're involved in as well. Because Francis, I suppose, uh, you know, Shakespeare, great to the heart. I, once more into the breach, I suppose. <laughs> we few, we very unhappy few. <laughs> We're just going to do the rest of this just in Shakespeare quotes. Yeah, just Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I bite my thumb at you, sir. Do you quarrel with me, sir? Out, no, out, no, damn sir. spot. <laughs> Strangely, Monty, not the one making any of the Shakespeare references. Yes. yes. Like yes. the one who writer. Is she, this, who, who is the spell oh, no. that you I don't know who Shakespeare is. <laughs> <laughs> I only read Southern authors like Colonel Sanders. Only study the Americanists. <laughs> Mark Twain. Now that's a writer. And you know how Donald feels about Mark Twain. Oh yeah, we do. The only um, the only other thing I want to add in here is the Palais Garnier. You would all very much recognize it's it's like the platonic ideal of an opera house it's a it's just it's a, the one a, where the fam of the opera is that's right it is yeah so that so you it, it's it, it's not just kind of like a, a a local small opera house it's like a very grand um famous yeah, opera house absolutely this is not going to affect a handful of people who go to off off broadway this is Pac-Man. I'm surprised that... Have I read anything about this show? I'm surprised if it's going up in the biggest opera house or mm. one of the most well-known opera houses in the city. Have I seen anything in any, you know, um, uh, any distributed like periodicals, leaflets, anything like that mentioning this show? Yeah, so this is the first year hearing of it. You imagine that... I mean, you there's there are other shows going on right now, um, and this mm-hmm. one... There's no set start date you don't see on the poster, so this may just be the beginning of the advertising of this. Okay. Hmm. That's true. Coming soon. And actually, Francis, when I say when I talk about the Palais Garnier, you actually think you know a set painter there. Ah, okay. Uh, his name's uh, Xavier Lasouche. Actually, you probably all three would know him. Uh, Francis, you know that he he's a set painter at the Palais Garnier, but he hangs out at Le Vue Gras, the... Uh, the cafe that you all uh, frequent. What does that mean, Le Vougre? Oh, what is it? What does it mean? The is it, some... is it the gray cat or something and like the that? Or the cat is shah. Like the chat, you're right. No, Vougra. Well, gra. No, it's like a fatted right? calf fat, or something like fatted that. Fatted calf. Yeah, fatted that's calf. something like that. That's what it is. I thought it was a fat yes. cow. That was my first thought. <laughs> it might be the fat cow. <laughs> but like I, I didn't. Yeah, because the other one was the toad or the frog, right? Luckily. <laughs> that we kept seeing, yeah, the frog. Yes, yes. So we could go. We could go see Xavier Souffle if we want to. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! Oh, That's a French listeners, thank you again for dealing with our butchering <laughs> of your language. Yeah, how do you say? Uh, uh, Je suis désolé. Les <laughs> 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 sorry. 
Du suis désolé. Un petit peu. Un petit peu. <laughs> Croissant. Baguette. Marie, the baguette's very up. <laughs> I do have I do have like fully fully spelled out pronunciations on my notes oh, here. That's, 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 that's good, the only reason good. I can do any of them correct. That's, that's clearly way more effort than we're willing to put in. It doesn't matter though <laughs> if, like, if like you know, you'd think, okay, this is the French one, this is the one. But like I remember season four, we did one set in nineteen ninety-five in New York. And in episode one, the listeners will remember, literally there's like a thirty second like, how do we pronounce this word? Oh, and no. everyone <laughs> throws one out there. It's it's just, it's words, folks. It's not a language. They're it's hard. Just words They're are hard. hard sometimes. Words are hard. I took French for years and years, and it just makes it worse when you don't know how to pronounce something because you've got that mm -hmm. little, oh, no. No, I <laughs> should know yeah. this, yeah. My sister's brain always freaked me out because she, she learned French. She spoke French for four years in high school and got to a point where she was like, speak, could like mm. do like scenes and stuff and act in French and did like little scene contests and sure. then went to Italy her her junior year of college and spoke fluent Italian by the time like she came home like she could scan now Rude. But, like she spoke enough that she was maybe not fluent but she was able to kind of live in Italy for that like that's three languages that's she wild. had good conversational Italian for quite a while that and that's crazy to me that you can the brain has the space I do not know English <laughs> I, so how like you have space we for fake three. it as best we can because i'll see you still see a word like i'd be like oh man i got no clue mm. what that is that's <laughs> yeah i have i have studied and passed classes in like eight different languages and i don't know <laughs> any of them i don't know I any took of four them. years of high school spanish <laughs> i don't know anything <laughs> rough words are rough i did take a class german for reading knowledge one time that was quite a that was quite an experience Ooh. <laughs> i remember in college french i got really good at pronunciation and i had no comprehension of what i was saying but when we did our scenes in french i sounded great <laughs> <laughs> nailed it i think that's perfect for this experience you, all exactly. we need is all we need is your correct <laughs> pronunciation just to, just to sound good you should have made us speak like 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 you'd be like you guys got to learn conversational french for this season like you cannot <laughs> speak Can you i expect imagine? you to study at duolingo here's a link um, um, horrible high school teachers who's like we only speak espanol in this classroom okay <laughs> okay stop yeah just stop. <laughs> All right. So, what do you think? The three of you. Where do you? Where do you head? <laughs> so we we have two potential contacts here in e like either direction. We have Brisson, who would could give us information about the composer, and then we have the set painter Xavier Lesouche at the Pellier Garnier. Mm -hmm. So I I mean I'm good with either one, but I do like the idea if if Donald is more familiar with Brisson, and we can kind of maybe work that angle first. And then we could check out the theater after that. The only reason I agree with you and think that we work that angle first is if this is like a totally, like, none of us have ever heard of this show. Like, you didn't see it. And there were no coming attractions for it. There mm -hmm. was no, so it's popped up out of nowhere and we've never heard of it. Then the source of the show, like, the getting close the to the right. show itself, the composer. Yeah. Is probably That's how I feel, too illustrates step one and then from there we can kind of go to the theater with armed with that knowledge and see where, where and see if they can figure out how they've been preparing for it and we may find Lasouche there mm -hmm. like because i i think there's going to be two very valuable perspectives from i think you're right about the creator being the genesis of it and the folks on the bottom rungs will also mm -hmm. know a lot yeah how then then how that's being implemented like how that vision is being set up that's a good point 
it, it'll it'll scaffold our information in such a way where it's like okay here's where it started and then when it gets to the people in the you know who are painting the set here's what they know about this so we mm -hmm. can kind of follow mm -hmm. that trail mm -hmm. and what because the, they'll like know about the trail up the people on the yeah. on the top exactly. won't know anything about what exactly. they know yeah. all right so where where can we find um Marcel Donald Brisson? do you know where Mr. Brisson uh, normally, normally uh, resides that we could talk to him about the composer. I'm gonna pensively try to remember while the game master looks it up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Donald, you actually you have been to a you've been to a, a soiree at his apartment before, so you know where he lives. He lives in the Latin Quarter of Paris, just like all of the rest of you do. But you you actually have been to his apartment, so you know which one it is. Um, just as one idle thought before we leave this area, I assume. Judging from my my sense of old timey things, someone pasted up this poster. Tommy, you took it, Monty took it down. I don't know who Tommy is. Mm -hmm. um, Monty took it down, <laughs> and I assume it wasn't wet. Like I'm assuming if I look around, I'm not gonna find some little street urchin with a paste bucket, like putting up more of these. Because if there are either him or more of these, I would like to take them down. Francis is going to shoot that little street <laughs> Damn it. You folks think she's just how we roll here. It's six months, folks. Lots <laughs> has happened. Donald and Monty. Francis, no, please. Don't kill that boy. <laughs> you don't have to kill all the boys. We just killed that one. <laughs> it gave me the taste for it. You do not. You don't. <laughs> you don't see anyone having just put this up. It's not Great. wet. You assume that Great. there probably are some other posters around in the neighborhood because you're you're in the neighborhood sure. of the Palais Garnier, but there aren't any kind of immediately in your vicinity. Then as okay. we as we proceed, um, I will just keep an eye out on the streets and keep a look if there's any along the path we go. Sure. I think Monty when Donald brings up the name Marcel Brisson, mm -hmm. you actually, you're thinking a little bit, You it rings a bell to you for a minute, uh, right when you hear it, and you're thinking about it a little bit, and you realize that some of his works have appeared in a handful of kind of lesser literary magazines. Um, he does a lot of symbolist work, and, you know, I think you would describe the, the pieces as kind of overlong, a little, a little too wordy. Uh, but they're narrative pieces, uh, narrative fiction pieces. You remember the names of a couple of them, the Corrigan and the Anku, which are both about feverish young Brenton men ensnared by sinister fairy women. <laughs> he's got a, he's got a My thing. My favorite. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Do with that what you will, but. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, that, that's right. Brisson, I have seen his name before. He's the one with that weird kink, right? I think that's him. <laughs> he wrote those ponderous stories about fairy women, and oh, please. Mm -hmm. I've been to a soiree mm -hmm. at his apartment, one of those self important writer types. I, Monty, you know the type. <laughs> I do, I do. All the women in the stories end up bare chested at some point. Yeah, All so right. just get ready for quite the experience. If you've read any of uh, some of my shorter pieces, I have written extensively about self-important writers and how obnoxious <laughs> they can be. I recommend you read one of those at some point. <laughs> I can only imagine. I've read all your work, Monty. It's, it's wonderful. It sucks. <laughs> Remember you killed uh, that kid? <laughs> <laughs> it's the subtext sorry, in all his sorry. latest work. 
this is what I, this is what I get for for bringing the group back and giving you not only your own <laughs> cultural references but also a full season to pull back from. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yes, <laughs> all the callbacks, <laughs> folks. Better, but go, I hope no one's listening to this. This is their first season. Go back and listen to season one right now. <laughs> Please do because none of this will make sense without it. We're, we're going inside baseball here, ladies and germs. <laughs> we don't kill all the kids. <laughs> just a select few. Just one. Tom and I were trying to figure out how many people we murdered uh, in season one. <laughs> we were doing that last night. We killed Baptiste. I think two. only two directly, right? Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Noah and uh, Baptiste. Baptiste Cabot. Yeah. We killed. I killed the ga- the gargoyle man. Yeah, I was gonna say the gargoyle was destroyed, but yeah, I'm not sure that he counts as a man. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. He's not like a guy. It wasn't like Chuck the gargoyle. And then whatever may have happened to Calvin Leith. Um, yeah, exactly. You know. yeah. That was I, I put that I put that squarely on Calvin Leith's head. That's not our responsibility. I also have always assumed that the doctor died. Unrelated to anything we did. Like we like he just that Leith something. just killed him? The yeah, VD he just, doctor, beloved yes. side character. <laughs> he got hit by a uh, a carriage. <laughs> like he just That's right. unrelated have we to seen us. Seen him in the past few months. I feel like I haven't seen him in a while. I saw oh, in the dear. periodicals <laughs> he was killed. I never thought about him. <laughs> by a gargoyle man. <laughs> killed, killed by unnatural causes. <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave that one up to the to audience interpretation. Yeah, that's, about yeah, that's absolutely. That's for the when fan. When you run out of sequels, like somewhere down the line, like season thirteen is going to be that doctor played by <laughs> Tommy. I have been here for so long. I do not know. <laughs> Sh- shall we go and try to find Brisson? Yes, let us do that. Let's go to his apartment. All right, All right. so uh, the three of you head to his apartment. Not the apartment of Henri Ducasse, the doctor. <laughs> oh, Henri Ducasse, yes. Thank you. That Thank was you. You, nailed it. you nailed it. Uh, I wasn't going to look back, but that's, nope. that's no, amazing. No, but yeah, <laughs> Henri Ducasse. <laughs> Who had the first of many terrible French accents that I did in season But not, one. no, the best French accent belonged to the, the guy, the security guard guy. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yes. My buddy, who better Marcel? still be alive. He's my friend. Yeah, uh, yeah the, the fans, you can cut all this out, but the fans are waiting. They want to see him again. The yes. fans want some callbacks, so we got to Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. You, the, a sequel the has to be dirty security with. guard. Yeah. I hope now he's, like, wearing, like, rich, like, he's got, like, a oh, beautiful hat. Oh, yeah. He's <laughs> got an upgrade. Uh, yeah, so so how are the three of you approaching? Are you just, like, barging in and, and barreling mm. down the door? What's the what's the plan? I'll knock on the door. Yeah, you, you, I think you know him best having actually socialized with him before, so we will let you take the lead on this. And so, uh, Monty... Uh, would you like, why don't we say that you're writing a, a you're looking to write a piece about this show, something along those lines we can Yeah, absolutely I've, I, I've done some interviews for local art scenes and things, I, I could c- certainly do that. Perfect and So knock, 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 knock knock. So relatively quickly the door opens and you see Marcel Brisson, or for those of you who don't know him, the person that you assume to be him. He's a young man, and his hair is standing totally on end, as if he's been, like, pulling on it repeatedly because he's just an absolute mess of nerves. And you can see that he's, like, twitching a little bit. Like, he he looks like he's in in great distress. And he says, oh, hello, uh, Donald. Yes, uh, what, what, um, how can I help you? Oh, Marcel, I... I I see your. Did we catch you at a, a bad time? Well, uh, no, not in particular. Uh, no. Uh, why are you here? 
Well, I, I'm here on, on behalf of my friends here. You see, I, I, this is Montgomery Hogg. You may have read some of his, uh, uh, his pieces uh, in, in the various publications around, and we, he was very interested in, in doing a uh, sort of an interview with you about the, the upcoming uh, debut of your show here. And I, I mentioned that we, we were acquaintances, and I, I told him that I could bring him down and introduce you to him. Uh, sure, sure. Come in. Please come in. And he, he kind of opens the door a little wider and lets you into the room. The apartment looks relatively normal. Not not any of the horror show apartments that you three have seen so far. Uh, it looks relatively normal, though a little untidy, um, as if someone cares less about the, the cleanliness of the apartment versus, you know, whatever else is going on in their life. Marcel, th- first of all, thank you very much for allowing me to the three of us to come in and uh, allow me to just uh, just interview you, you know, a couple of questions, uh, just something so I can write up a little, it's a, a little bit of a puff piece, you understand, just something for the locals to get them uh, interested in the local hot scene. Uh, and, oh, I should, by the way, pardon my manners, this is Francis. Uh, Francis uh, specializes in painting and drawing, and uh, we bring her along because she's going to do just a little bit of a, almost like a little character, character sketch of you, almost like a little caricature or something, which will just go along with the piece when it's published, if that's all right. Francis, I think you all, don't you also have the photography skill? So maybe I you do, have your, your 1890s was, was Kodak that you're, that you're ready to snap a few shots which of. Which would be more appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> now, hold still for 30 seconds. <laughs> I'm going to paint you. Uh, for, for Marcel Brisson, that is impossible to hold still for 30 seconds God, at this moment. God, poor man. Oh, no. um, just as, a, as we are walking in, I mean, I'm not sure if there's anything, but I, I, I know my occult. Uh, my occultism and if I look around do I see any signs of any weird links to anything either generally of the occultish stuff or signs of of the the stuff we're more intimately familiar with no not off not not on kind of a cursory look around it seems like a pretty normal young writer's apartment no yellow altars no 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 (laughs) great okay (laughs) I I didn't think so but it, it seemed worth worth checking on yes uh he he looks at you monty and says yeah sure uh yes that that would be fine uh, that would be fine all right wonderful wonderful and i uh, you don't mind as i just i'll i pull out notepad and pen and ink sort of uh, it takes me a moment to sort of pull it out as i i'm just a little reluctant to, to get it out and start writing I think but... both bonnie and Fr- i mean both donald and francis probably like flinch when he does it knowing like Ooh, he, probably doesn't <laughs> <laughs> he might he might chuck it aside at any moment <laughs> yeah, I might kick it into the lake and have it get Stand it out. Yeah. <laughs> Fake news. Um, <laughs> I, I there's a part of me that wants to like narr- act like I'm narrating as Monty what I'm seeing, but I'm realizing I don't have a recorder or anything. It's 1895. <laughs> <laughs> to narrate into what I'm going to write later. Um, so, um, Marcel's first of all, um, I, we've seen some flyers around town for um this uh, new uh, a new show that i believe maybe you have something to do with it's uh, called casilda is that is that true something uh, going on up at the opera house he uh when he when when you say this he kind of grabs his hair again and starts kind of you know just kind of tugging on it like it like it's a like it's a nervous tick or like a stressed tick but he says yes um yes casilda it's 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 something I've been working on for quite a while now, uh, an idea of, of my own invention, and 
When my friend Cuvier was commissioned to write a new opera for the Palais Garnier, I, I, I convinced him to use it. Ah, you okay, you convinced him to use it. Very interesting. Um, so what is your relationship with Mr. Cuvier? Have you, uh, you've worked together before, is my understanding. The two of you are sort of a dynamic duo? Yeah, yes, I, I, I would say something like that. He he and I have, have worked together before. We we also, we we attended school together, and so we, we have a bit of a relationship from there. Now, I, of course, I, I don't want to spoil anything for the audience, but just so that I can feed a little bit of detail to them to get them excited for this show, can you tell me anything about what it's about? Any any little details, any delightful morsels that you wish to feed to the audience to, to get them hungry for more? The poster is so striking. I, I mean, ooh, I'm already excited. Um, but <laughs> I mean, you must admit, it doesn't say much about what's coming. Well, y- yes, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to to say too much. It's, it's, it's a, it's, a, it's a study in horror. I would say, from the perspective of the person who's experiencing it. I, I don't, I don't know if that makes any sense, but that's really what I was trying to to go for. Uh, what relation, Donald? Just kind of butts mm-hmm. in. What what relation to the uh, source material does the uh, character depicted on the poster have? That that that. Is that someone from the the show? The is that an actress? Yes, she's the she's the lead. Her name is uh, Celeste. She's she's the lead in the show, and he looks like he's like holding something back a little bit. And he says, "If I'm being honest, I she's not very good. She she's not she's not much of a singer. I I I don't think she'll actually be the one that ends up performing the role. I I, I have to believe that they'll come to their senses, but." For now, she's she's the lead. Oh, you know I do love gossip. How did she get to the, the part if she's not very good? I mean, is that kind of the old traditional some other way? Uh, I'm not sure. It, the 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 artistic director uh, Larson knew he it was his idea. I I don't know why. I I really don't know. I I, I didn't ask. Now, what is your relationship with Mr. Lanyu? Did you say? Um, it, is is he been the artistic director for other? Uh, works that you have uh, collaborated with uh, Cuvier on, uh, Mr. Monsieur Larsenu. He yes, he's the artistic director at the the Palais Garnier. I I haven't worked with him before. My my relationship to the show is from Cuvier and Francis. I think you probably at this point would pick up that something about his relationship with Larsenu, something about the creation, like the the way that this all came to be. He's not being totally honest about. Yeah, I, I, I was gonna call up the the assess honesty ability, and then as yes, soon as he yes. took credit for the whole idea, I was like, oh no, <laughs> no, yeah. there's more to it than that. But it seems linked to Larson New as well. Yeah, and you, you, you can tell that you like, you know, you he agreed to do this. It seems like something he would want to promote this, but he seems very stressed mm. and in distress about talking about any of this. Is this something where? <laughs> Um, Francis, do you exchange a glance sort of indicating that you 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 know there's something more going on here? I'm just wondering because I'm... Yeah, I, I think so. Because um, I imagine I've, I've just okay. taken out my, my sketch pad and I'm, I'm kind of doing some stuff. And so you can... There's like some very strong <laughs> um, sounds of Destro- like charcoal strong, and paper. Uh, okay. <laughs> that would get okay. you to look over. Uh, and... If you don't mind me asking, because this sounds like a very fascinating original idea, concepts of horror being explored 
um, in the opera, I think is, is a wonderful and uh, exciting direction for the arts. Uh, how do you come up with your ideas? Where do you get the inspiration for something like this? And if I may say so, I am familiar with some of your other work. It's truly wonderful. Some um, very in-depth uh, explorations of desire and uh, temptation and things of that nature. It's been excellent. So this seems related, but also a little bit of a departure from your usual uh, work. So I'm just curious where this idea came from. Yes, well, I don't. It's it's been like like I said, something I've been I've been working on for for quite some time. I enjoy the, and he's like he's stumbling over his words. He's like trying to come up with. It, it seems like he's trying to come up with his inspiration and doesn't know what his inspiration was. And then he kind mm. of cuts off in the middle of it. And he's like, "Can you tell me where where are you hoping to publish this again? I I, I don't know whether I should be." saying all of this you may want to you may want to talk to the 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 folks at the at the Palais Garnier they they may be better served I don't know whether I should be I should be sharing some of these things oh, and he like kind of grabs his hair again I will put I, I will kind of reach out and um if he has a moment where he's like put a hand down I will kind of put rest my hand on top of his and say so don't you worry we are professionals at this off my full intention was to go to the Pellier Garnier and ensure that I am interviewing those folks as well. I want to get a full sense of the show, of the inspiration, just enough to get people inspired. And I would just rattle off the name of some publication I know that's small enough that it wouldn't necessarily draw a huge amount of attention, but, you know, could circulate amongst sort of the art scene folks. I don't know what publication that would be, but, you know... Something, something that I know. Um, I'd like to like if if Tom is trying to Monty is trying to 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 make a connection. I think Francis would try to jump in on top of that. Um, because Francis has a bit of a skill with the old bonhomie, and um would try to would try to appeal to him as well. And uh, sir, I I admit I I too am a fan, and and just. I, I, more so, I've, I've been a, a fan of horror and the macabre for, for all of my life, and I'm just beyond excited that it's going to take its place on a stage, and, and more people will have a chance to see and understand, and I, I'm just so delighted that this is a project that you're involved with, and I just, I understand that you don't want to spoil anything, but gosh, we'd just be delighted to hear anything that you can share. And I'm realizing she has born to me. I have reassurance, so I'm hoping the combination of these two things can help calm him down. And I'm I'm just hanging out. I'm just looking yeah, this, at him. Uh, D- Donald Donald is not the most uh, the, not the most interpersonal uh, uh, of the uh, of, of the group. Don Don, is there any way you could get our friend a little bit of uh, like uh, just a little bit of tea or something? Just uh, it seems he's very anxious, and I'll just kind of like gesture my head over like. Take an opportunity to look around, maybe, if you want. Yes, what'll it be, uh, Mr. Brisson? Uh, tea? Uh, something stronger? Uh, coffee. Coffee would, would be would be wonderful. Thank you. And I think that probably maybe, hap- maybe happened a minute ago, because when, when Francis, mm-hmm. when you said you, you know, you delight in the idea of the macabre being shown on stage, his eye, he, like, looks over at you, like, 
Like, do you know something that, mm. do you know something <laughs> that I didn't tell you? Do you know more than you're putting on? And as you finish, he kind of says, no, there's there's no way any of that perversity could be acted out on a public stage, except, I don't know, maybe in ancient Rome, back when they used to use condemned prisoners as actors and murdered them live in the Colosseum. This, this is a waste of your time. None of this will ever be put on stage. Huh. Goodness, I do. I, I'm a little taken aback. Are you, are you saying that it's not theatrical make believe? Are you saying they're trying to do something more than that? I really, you should, you should go speak with the the folks at at, at the Palais Garnier. I'm sorry for wasting your time. None of this was my idea. I didn't, I, I didn't want to do it. it. It's, it's their idea. It's not mine. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for. I'm sorry for lying. No, no, not a problem at all. Who who are they? As a friend, I mean, I, I I've only just met you, but I I feel the kinship of the creative. Uh, if just promise me you won't you won't tell any of them that I told you any of this. Certainly not, Monty. I, I assume we can we have your word as well. Your secret is safe with us, sir. I will only publish information that I am permitted to by the people that I uh, interview, and I certainly am not one to gossip, so anything you tell us can be told in confidence. Complete confidence. All right, well, here's here's what actually happened. Uh, Larsenu and and Jacques Picou, the, the general manager, they they reached out to me. They They brought me into their office and introduced me to a to a man he was somewhat strange he was well he was wearing a mask and that is where we are going to end our story <laughs> oh, for now <laughs> he was the mask <laughs> yes that's right uh, oh, I, I met a man who said somebody stop <laughs> and then we shot him and yeah, we yeah. immediately shot the mask and said no no, I will no. stop you. This is the no <laughs> smoking section. <laughs> finally, finally, the man got what he always wanted. Somebody stopped him. <laughs> season, season one was based on, of course, gargoyles. This one is based yeah, on the mask. Based based on on the the ma- but the mask cartoon that was on like CBS yeah. for a season. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> not the film. We're not going to be doing Cuban Pete on here. No, sir. <laughs> This podcast was created using the Yellow King RPG by Pelgrane Press and is based on an adventure written by Robin D. Laws called Ghosts of the Garnier, both used under the Pelgrane Press limited community use policy, along with the music from the Yellow King Suite written by James Semple. Our intro music was composed and produced by Jean-Luc Bouchard. You can find more information about the Nature of My Game podcast at NOMG Podcast on Twitter and Instagram or at nomgpodcast.com. To support us on Patreon, please visit www.patreon.com slash nomgpodcast.